we start a, um, we continue our study, this is part three, um, and I don't need to say how thankful I am that we all made it through the storm, and God was faithful. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap for that? Come on, we made it through. Thank God for his grace. I want to, if I can, um, talk today about how to manage your rainy days. Now, my graphic illustrates uh, a wonderful little, little girl, and that is a little grandparent bias. I didn't pick that one. They, they kind of threw it at me. But I love the way she's managing her rain. She's prepared. She's all dressed up, and, and I hope those at home can see this, that she's all dressed up with her rainy day gear, with her umbrella, and she's prepared for the rain. The question is, are you? Are you prepared to manage days like we had? And they will come. No matter what you do, no matter what you say, they will come. I want to show you two storms today, and I want to show you two lessons. Come on, say two storms and two lessons. Keep it simple so you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Two storms. And we'll look at two storms in, in, in the scriptures, and I want you to see what you can learn from them. The bottom line of it all is you will learn you cannot avoid storms. You can't. That's the big thought for today. They will come, and you must learn how to face them. The first storm is in Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 through verse 27. The story of Jesus with the disciples. The second storm is one with a guy named Paul. So Jesus and Paul will show us two storms, and I want you to watch each one, and I want you to track through them and ask yourself, how does this apply to me? Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. And when he had gotten into a boat, his disciples followed him, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Now, I gave it to you in sermon notes so you can't get lost. If you're watching from home, you can simply download the PDF, minimize, click on the download, and you can have the same notes in front of you that we have here. But I want you to notice that these disciples, in verse 23, were following who? Jesus. Now, there's a lot of assumptions we make when we follow Jesus. One is that life is always going to be wonderful. As a matter of fact, it is most of the time against our religious conviction that there should be any storms if we're following Jesus. Because when the storm shows up or a problem shows up, the first thing we say is, but I'm following Jesus. I did everything I'm supposed to do. And if you go on a job and you, you do all you, you're supposed to do and you're nice to all the customers, you think everybody's going to be nice to you. That's not true. So here they are following Jesus, and when they follow the Lord, watch what happens. Suddenly, and that's normally how it happens. Everybody say suddenly. suddenly. A great tempest arose on the sea, and the boat was covered. Now, that's, that's a problem. Most of us don't like the sudden stuff, but the sudden stuff is how it comes. Suddenly, there is a storm. Suddenly, there's a tempest, and suddenly, we are covered. All of that doesn't feel good. The first problem we have is, why is Jesus leading me to the storm? If he knows there's a storm, he should, first of all, tell me in advance. No sudden stuff. We hate it, right? If you could just kind of say, look, this is, gonna, this is what's going to happen. You're going to go do your best and get covered up in debt within a year. You're going to owe more money you ever owed in your life. Your kids are going to go to school, and you're going to be covered. Yes, they're going to get education, but you're going to be covered in debt. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Suddenly, you thought you had it all planned out, but things didn't work right. You got sick. Some physical challenge happened, and now you are covered. Can't go to work. Can't get paid. Oh, man, it's amazing. Covered. 
there's, there's this moment when this happens that you just think, okay, God, you should really be paying attention. So, you, you know, you pray or you're fast or the way you do, and then you have the same experience these disciples had. He was sleeping. It's that. I put it in bold prints for you. He was what? You ever felt like that? Let me understand this, okay? I follow you, okay? Go to church, I pray, I read the Bible, do all I'm supposed to do, right? Okay, then after that, suddenly you let a storm come up. You could have told me. Didn't say a word. Now I'm covered. Waves are bashing. Guys on the boats are flowing, flying all around the boat. And you are what? Sleeping. We got a problem here. You ever been there? Trying to figure this out? So now watch this. They go to Jesus and they have this fantastic conversation. He's not paying attention to what's going on in their lives. He's not paying attention to the strife. Watch what happens. This is amazing. Verse 25, his disciples came to him and awoke him. Okay. Lord, what do they say? Save us. We are doing what? Perishing. Pretty obvious. When I call you and say 911, I expect you to focus. Watch this. But he said to them, why? Read it out loud with me. Come on. Why are you fearful? Pause for a minute. Is that a smart question or not? I mean, let's just be honest for a minute. Do you not see what's happening here? Do you hear the men screaming? The boat's tossed to and fro, covered in waves, and you wake up. That's the first problem. You wake up. You didn't get up. After we woke you up, you then ask us with some of an attitude, why are you fearful? Okay. So what do you say back? What do you say? Because this is not a good moment. Maybe because we're dying. Maybe that's why we're fearful. It could be because all these issues are pounding down on me, and I need a job, and I need this, and my, I'm not married yet. That's why I'm fearful. Whatever your issue is, see yourself in the storm and see your, yourself being asked this question, and then he doesn't just ask them a question. He insults them a little bit. Oh, ye of little what? Faith. You know what? You have a little faith. Now, okay, you wake up. We had to wake you up, okay? Number one. You got a little attitude here now. You, you're, 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 you're rebuking us, and this doesn't quite make sense to me. But then flip it for a minute. Just flip the story. Be Jesus. Didn't you watch me raise the dead? <laughs> Go back in your past and tell me what you came through and who brought you through the last time. Why are you so fearful this time? You were broke before. This is not your first, first rodeo being broke. <laughs> You've been broker. Come on, don't be playing around now. Your heart been broken before. You've been down this road before. Help me understand why all of a sudden now you're scared and screaming and yelling. So he wakes up with a little bit of a touch on him. Okay. First of all, you woke me up out of a good sleep. Second of all, you're screaming. Everybody's scared you're going to die again. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask you a question. Why are you fearful? And then I'm going to put you in the right place. Your faith is small. I brought you through a big trial, and you still got small faith. 
brought you through big difficulties, but you're still complaining. You've made less money than this, and you are still complaining. Help me understand, you have the job you dreamed of, you have all the things you prayed for, and it's difficult, and you're having a little bit of a storm right now, and you got an attitude. Tell me why is that true? Give me a hallelujah. does something that's amazing. Just to show you I'm still in charge. Just so we can put this back in perspective. He doesn't say anything else to them. Here's what the Bible said he did. He arose, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. He walked over to the wind and said, shut up! Stop it! Might have went back to sleep. Here's what he's saying. I'm in charge. Come on, say he's in charge. Come on, say he's in charge. Come on, say it again. Say he's in charge. Not the storm, not Irma, not Bobby, not Fred. Whoever comes, he's still in charge. Come on, church. Say amen if you're hearing me. <laughs> it's a moment. And those are moments that are tough. But they teach you something. And that's the moment with Jesus. Now, Paul is going to take us on another journey because Paul is in a different kind of storm. This is a storm that he could have prevented experiencing. He was not in charge. He was a prisoner on the way to Rome with a bunch of other soldiers. As a matter of fact, 276 soldiers. I'm sorry, prisoners, I apologize. And I want you to look with me, and, and I want you to notice, again, the first lesson is, repeat it with me, please, say, following Jesus, following Jesus can be a storm-filled experience. Storm experience. When you're following Jesus, even when you're doing what's right, even when you're obeying God, there are moments when you still have storms. Amen. That's the first lesson. The second lesson is this. Sometimes you have no power to avoid a storm. You can do everything right, say everything right, but because of people in your life, they drag you into a storm. Can you please testify? Anybody been dragged into a storm? Raise your hand. Now, I won't ask you who dragged you into it, but there are people who <laughs> come into your life, and they drag you into a storm. Now, Paul is a prisoner. And in the book of Acts, chapter 27, it's a fantastic story. Some of you have never heard it before. But in Acts 27, Paul is going to end up in this storm and almost die with 276 prisoners. He is a prisoner on his way to testify in Rome on his, in his own defense. And while on the way there, he and other prisoners are being uh, controlled by this man named Julius. Look at verse 1 of Acts 27. When it was decided that we should, still, we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius. What's his name? Julius. Julius is this guy who's a centurion. And they board this ship. And I want you to notice in bold print I put down there in verse 3 that Julius treated Paul kindly, gave him liberty to go to his friends and receive care. But Julius 
was determined, and this was his responsibility, to get the prisoners from here to there. And when he started, the winds were contrary. And they got on the way, the winds were contrary, verse 4. And so they sailed in verse 5 over the sea, which, which is off Cilicia and Pamphylia, came to Myra, a place you don't know about, right? Verse 6. And there the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy. He found a way to transport all these people to Italy. Now, what's interesting is when he set out, the problem was the sea was difficult because of the season. Notice with me, Paul found himself in this powerless position. He's this prisoner. The guy's doing his job transporting all the prisoners. Well, under number two in your notes, Paul, notice in verse 7 of, of Acts chapter 27, when he had sailed slowly many days and arrived with what? Difficulty in Nidus, the wind was not permitting us to proceed. And so things are getting very, very difficult. Look at verse 8. Passing it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens near the city of Lycia. Verse 9. Now, when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because of the fast was already over, which was really the Day of Atonement, Paul advised them. What did Paul say? Men, I perceive that this voyage will end, read it with me please, with what? Disaster and much loss, not only of the what? Cargo and the ship, but also our lives. Have you ever warned people? Have you ever saw the dangers in front of you and said, hey, we probably shouldn't do this. But you didn't have the final decision. Paul's a prisoner. He warns Julius, hey, man, listen, this is a bad idea. Sometimes you see it coming. You see your kids' children, you say, I see this coming. You see it in the way that they spend their money. Hey, what are you doing, guys? You got a new car, you got a new cat, you got a new dog, everything's new. How much do you make? Okay. Maybe you ought to hold back a little bit. Anybody ever seen it coming? So you see it coming, you warn them, but somebody else has more influence than you. The leaders did not believe Paul. Look at verse 11. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship. They wanted to make the money. They wanted to get there to the best place and said, we, we can't dock here. We're going to get to the next port. And so Paul had warned them, don't do it. But sometimes people don't listen to you. And that's one of the things I've learned. You know, as a pastor, what's really helped me is I am not responsible for all your choices. People ask me, how do you pastor so many people? I just let them go. <laughs> oh, that's going to be painful. Wow. Ooh, that's painful. What happened? Really? Wow, I saw that coming. You know, you just love people and let them go. You can't control everybody. Some of you got two, you got, some of you say, I have two kids. I'm having trouble. I know. It's tough. And so at some point, Paul just said, 276, I'm not in charge. We're going to, okay, go for it. And so now Paul makes a prophetic promise. Here's what he says. Things get rough. Seas are getting bad. They're out there sailing, trying to get to this next port. Here's what he said. Now I urge you, take heart. This is verse 22. For there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. Okay, that doesn't make sense. So Paul tells him, say, guys, I know I told you not to sail, but you sailed anyway. But here I got a word for you from God. 
The ship's going to be destroyed, but we're going to all be saved. Pardon? How does that work? Help me understand this. I'm on the ship in the ocean, right? If the ship is gone, I'm gone. I don't understand how you could prophesy the ship's going to go and I'm going to be okay. That don't work. But that's what Paul said. Guys, don't worry about it. Everybody, we're going to live. I promise you, with the ship, it's going to be gone. He crazy. Right? So, so watch what happens now. Paul then says, well, let me give you another prophecy. I call it a prophetic trial. Here's what he says to him. Verse 25. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe that God will be just as it was told me. However, we must all run aground on a certain island. Okay, it's getting worse. We're going to run aground, we're going to lose a ship, or we're going to live. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Here's what you think. You think you need a ship to survive. No, you don't. You think you need a job to survive. No, you don't. You think you need this company to survive. No, you don't. As long as God says you're going to survive, you're going to survive. Come on, talk to me. You think you need this relationship. It may be great. You may not be in control of it, whether this relationship lasts or not. And you say, how will I live without a ship? How will I live without a relationship? You have God on your side. That's how you're going to live. So these prophecies don't make sense. <laughs> but he keeps going. We're going to run aground. But we're going to make it. And then 14 days into this now. They've been out there 14 days. You know, now, that's one thing that I, I, I don't like either. I, I wish God would let storms be brief. <laughs> I, just, I just, I put that in bold prints for you. 14th day, 14, verse 27. Now, when the 14th night had come, we were, we were driven up and down in the Adriatic Sea, tossed back and forth, 14 days. Not one day, not two days, not seven days, 14 days. How long you been going through your trial? How long you been? You feel seasick? How long? You say, Lord Jesus, if I go through another job, if I go through another staff person, if I have to go through another, oh God, if another storm, I was looking at the weather channel, I just cut it off. <laughs> enough of that, Jesus' name, enough of that. Everybody coming, Earl, Bob, Frank, everybody showing up, everybody come, Jose. What in the world? I said, all oh, y'all need to go on back. What, in the, what are you doing? I just got back home. I don't need to run no place else. And if you're not careful, you start praying, send it all up to Boston, Jesus. <laughs> and that ain't right. That is not right. You praying them storms to somebody else. They be praying it down here, we be praying it everywhere. I just cut it off. I said, what, what another one, pop? What? And they just be, and another one is coming right the same path that the last one came. Isn't that terrible? Yes! Watch this. <laughs> so anyway, they're on the ship, right? Verse 28. They all out there on the ship, storm, being <laughs> to 14th day, and they took soundings. Now, that's, that means they say, okay, we got, we got to measure how deep the water is because we, getting, we don't want to run up on the rocks. So they start, okay, oh, boy. So they took soundings and found they were 20 fathoms. Then they took another, another one. They said, oh, we're 15 fathoms. And so they, they start fearing, verse 29. At least they're going to run, run aground. We well, told them they're going to run aground. So they said, well, what we ought to do, watch this now. They dropped four anchors 
from the stern and prayed uh, for day to come because it was night. And as the sailors were, verse 30, were seeking to escape from the ship, when they let down the skiff into the sea under pretense of putting out the anchors from the, from the prow, verse 31, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, unless they, read this with me, please, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be what? Saved. So don't run. They said, hey, look, man, we better jump in the water because, you know, I better get out while I can. He said, don't run. Come on, say, don't run. Sometimes you can't run. You got to stand still. He told him, he said, no, you can't run. You can't bail out the marriage yet. Hold tight. Buckle down. Don't run. Don't run. Don't quit yet. Don't quit your job. Don't go in there Monday and quit. I told you I'm going to save you. Hold on. Don't, don't do it. Don't go say that yet. Hold your lips tight. Don't jump. The, the, the guys are looking. Hey, man, we don't care what Paul crazy. He crazy? What does that fool say? He say something about we're going to be saving the ship. I'm getting off the ship. I'm swimming for myself. And so what happens? You think, well, Paul said, be free. freeze. That's that game kids used to play. Remember, freeze. I call it prophetic freeze. Freeze. Tell them don't leave the ship. Then watch what happens. Now, I love this because this is so true. There's always a last-minute chaotic moment. And Paul has to guide them through what I call a chaotic, victorious ending. Can you say that with me? Come on. A chaotic, victorious end. Have you ever had something happen in your life? I see it a lot with funerals. It's always chaotic at the end. It's chaotic. It's just, it's just, and really, my job is to help manage the chaos. Because everybody, is, especially when they come into view, it's going to be chaotic. Sometimes I know it's going to be, I can see. It's going to be chaotic. Sometimes I see them when they get ready to come up here and they're getting ready to see the person. So, oh, 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 here it comes. Here it comes. They're about to try to drag them out the casket. I better watch it. Sometimes I'll come now and say, hey, how you doing? How you doing? No casket dragging today. Come on. Come on. I need you. You know, you ever seen it? You know, the last minute, you know, people, it's, it's that last push. They say it's the basketball game, the sporting event. It's the last three minutes. Who has the courage to fight in the last few minutes? And so they were standing there, people about to jump off the ship, and the soldiers looked and they said, if they jump off the ship, we're going to kill them all. That's what the soldiers said. If you read the verse, he said, oh, we're going to kill them all. Because, you know, the Romans were clear. Don't come back here without the prisoners. Don't tell us any of them escaped because we're going to kill you. So they decided we're going to kill all 276 of these, these prisoners so they won't escape because they were planning on escaping and they were going to kill Paul and the guy liked Paul and said, no, I don't want to kill Paul. And so because of Paul, they saved everybody. But here's what happened. I'm reading to you. This is the last chaotic moment. Watch this. This is amazing. Verse 41. But striking a place where two seas meet, they ran the ship aground. That's what Paul told them. You with me? And the prow, the prow struck, stuck fast and remained immovable. But the stern or the rear part of the boat was being broken by the violence of the waves. So the front of the ship hit and gets stuck. The back of the ship is falling apart. And everybody's panicking. It's chaotic. Paul's screaming. Now, here's the question. What do you do in moments like that? Here's what you think if you're not careful. I'm obeying God. I shouldn't be here. There's no way in my life there should be any chaotic moments. But let me tell you something. You don't know how powerful God is until you have a chaotic moment. Come on, talk to me, somebody. 
You don't know how strong your God is. Some of you vacation Christians who only want vacation lives with no challenge and no battles, you want a gun and you want a helmet and you want to look like a soldier, but you don't want to fight like one. There's a time in your life when everything goes wild, everything falls apart. Your money, your body, your life, your friendships, your relationships, your church life, your everything. But God is still God in the midst of that moment. Verse 42, the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners. least any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to save who? Paul. Boy, I tell you, you need to keep the right people in your life. When I get on the plane, I tell them, I say, you safe because I'm on here. Praise God. You safe. You're going to land. I'm on this plane. <laughs> I've had a few people tell me. They get on the plane and they say, oh, I'm fine now. Pastor Rick on this plane. Ain't nothing going down. Praise God. He got a preach Sunday. I know we're going to be all right. I know he's going to be fine. There's something about this moment. Watch what happens. It said in verse 44, and, and the rest... I'm sorry, verse 43. But the centurion wanting to save Paul kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to the land and the rest, some on boards and some on parts of the ship. And so it was, they all, read it with me, please come on, but they all escaped safely to the land. Wow. So what did we learn? In this series so far, there are four things I want you to have learned. Number one, we learned from Job that you must have a good attitude during your rainy days. It's all about being calm, cool, and collected. Just because you're having a storm, don't torture everybody around you. Number two, we learned from James last week that you must develop a rainy day plan. You need to be able to say, I plan for this. Let's practice. Come on, say, I plan for this. You need to say it like you mean it. Come on, say what? James tells you in chapter one and two how to plan. For your rainy day. Today, you learned following Jesus, you can follow Jesus, but you still have storms. We also learned that sometimes you don't have power to avoid a storm. Sometimes it's going to happen in your life, but you survive. So let me ask you a question. What have you survived? Somebody tell me. I survived, and just say it what it is, and if you want to tell me, testify. Just, I survived. What did you survive? Just say it. I survived. Debt. I survived. Your son's death. I survived. Vietnam. Hammers. Hammers. I survived. Talk to me. What you survived? I survived. Cancer. I survived. Talk to me. Talk to me. No, no, no clap. There's too many of them. Come on. I survived. Brain surgery. You know, I didn't know that. How do you keep that from me? You know, I, you know I, didn't, I didn't know that's amazing. Ain't you somebody? Somebody else. I survived. Yes. You survived, you survived raising three, and now you're raising six others. In Jesus' name, give us strength. And number five, amen. Adopted five. Wow, somebody else. Yes, I survived. Seven car accidents and sickness. Lord, keep on a bicycle or something in Jesus' name. Seven Lord, have mercy. Lord, seven, seven. Lord, have mercy. Woo, Jesus. Wasn't your fault. There's people, people hitting you. There's people hitting on you. They was hitting you. 
get a helmet. Let me tell you something. <laughs> you sit on the front row. <laughs> That's, I didn't know that. That's amazing. Somebody else, would you survive? I survived. Yeah. 37 years of being here. That's a good job. Somebody else, yes. You survived colon cancer. Wow. I survived. You survived great Graves disease. Yes, you did. God bless you. Somebody else. I survived. I survived my husband's death. You survived your husband's death and your only sibling. Wow. Yes, in front of you. Brain surgery. Yes. Premature birth. Wow. Yes. Eight years of sea duty without ships colliding. Wow. Yes. A job layoff after 27 years of faithful work. Wow. I survived. You know, where, where? Yes. Yes. Would you survive? A car accident. You survived a car accident that flipped over five times. Would you survive? Your son survived open heart surgery. God bless you. God bless you, buddy. Wow. Well, yes, one more. Divorce after 34 years. Divorce after 34 years. When you think about what people have survived, and you think about the journeys that they've gone through, next week I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about how you survived what happened to you. And I want you to look at the bottom of your notes. I gave you a verse. What verse was it? Second Corinthians what? Second Corinthians, first, second Corinthians 11, 23. Read that in the Message Bible. I want you to write that down, Second Corinthians chapter 11. Read Paul's statement about what he survived. And I want you to prepare next week as I show you God has been faithful to you and you can still survive. Come on, say amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you for the word today. We thank you for this conversation. We pray that everything we've said in the last few minutes, the last 30 minutes, has been helpful. We pray, God, that the Holy Spirit would take the word we've shared today and lift their hearts and minds to a new place. Let them know they can survive. Let them know, Lord God, that you have given them abilities in the past to survive storms. And, Lord, you are still faithful and still able. And so I speak the word of God over those who are here and those who are home today. Strengthen them today. May they feel your presence in their living room, wherever they're watching today, on their jobs, in the car, wherever they are, work. I pray God healing and blessing in their lives. And I pray that in Jesus' name we would leave this place today with our heart open and our mind open to the Holy Spirit. We would never forget. Come on, say, we have survived. Now, Lord, I thank you for that. And I declare it in, in the future that we will continue to survive. With every head bowed, every hand down, if you're here today, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. If you don't know Christ, if you've never given Christ your life, you may be a good person, but you've never really given that, made that step. Whether you're here or home, I want to pray for you today. That you would say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I want you to be on my ship. So when the storm comes, I know I'm okay. So, Father, I pray for those who would desire today to make that step. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you'd like me to pray for you, if you'd like to say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I get it today. I've heard a message that spoke to me. I want you to raise your hand and say, yeah, pastor, pray for me. 
I'm not going to call you up front. I see you. Anybody else? Just put your hand up. Put it right now. I see you. Anybody else? Just pray for me, Pastor. I see you. I see you. God bless you. Anybody else? Sing, pray for me, Pastor. I see you back there. Thank you. And I see you as well. And I see more of you. Thank you. Some of you are raising your heart, your hands. Father, I pray for those who have raised their hearts and some have raised their hands. Let this be the moment when they say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. As everybody lifts their hands with me, please. Father, we thank you for this wonderful moment, this moment of, of dedicating our lives to Jesus. For some, it's the first time they've ever said, Lord, I sincerely mean this. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Let this be the beginning, the turning point for them. And I give you all the praise. And I give you all the glory and all the honor in the name of Jesus. And everyone say, amen. Praise God.